2: Welcome to Friday afternoon's late lunch on LMFM radio. Great to have you with us on the show this afternoon. Louise, the World Cup nil nil it is still between Qatar and Senegal. That game on. Wales were beaten this morning, Louise. Oh, beaten by much- oh, big surprise by Iran. Two goals to nil. It really out.
3: is a World Cup of surprises so far, isn't it? It is.
2: There's a lot of surprises mm. happening there's no doubt about that but uh, Wales look to be on their way home they drew the first game but lost the second and England is their third match your crew are out later today playing Holland are playing their second game you have a win we'll have your, a win under your belt with Holland win and a loss and a loss Argentina are playing tomorrow they have a crucial game they're playing Mexico if they lose that game it's all over for Argentina the favourites mm-hmm. for the tournament I had two wins yesterday
3: <laughs> Portugal
2: Portugal you're on a roll Portugal and Brazil I'll tell you Brazil were great last mm-hmm. night Brazil have a great squad Louise they have a great squad of players they're going to be there thereabouts they have that feeling anyway we're going to be chatting about sport and the World Cup and GA a little bit later on you're off the hook today Dave. I am yeah
3: Dave. that's why I'm smiling ear to ear <laughs> no pressure
2: no, pressure. no David. pressure David Sheehan is with us a little bit later on and we have a boot club on Friday Rick Cronje here it's a big day for rick isn't it louise it is it is it's his Doesn't 100 yeah. it's his 100 birthday today it's rick <laughs> rick is 100 today he is honest to god he will be getting the letter from the president no it's his 100th appearance on late Lunch. great 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 milestone it really is he, he came to us first back in 2014 and he's joined us today with wine recommendations 100
3: months talking about wine imagine it's a long time,
2: isn't it? And no bother to the man and has hundreds more in them as well, I have to, have to tell you. Anyway, it's almost Christmas because everything's getting earlier, Louise. Even LMFM are <laughs> getting earlier. Would you believe it? We started our Christmas songs today and we'll be playing the first and late lunch shortly. Uh, it was always the 1st of December. Yes, it was. We had to bow to market pressures. We had to bow. There's no other way. It's earlier. You put your tree up last night.
3: Market or public pressure? Mark, mm. Uh, mm. <laughs> a combination. i playing Christmas songs the last
2: week. I know a combination of both. I'd say a yeah. combination of both. And yes, but I
3: did put my tree up last night
2: to coincide with the toy show tonight. The toy show tonight. Yeah, is right.
3: all excited.
2: Um, Very the excited The whole nation is Excited and enthused And I understand mm. it It's a big night of the year People are Having their little parties Children are staying up later Some will fall asleep In the
3: middle of it Some parents <laughs> will fall asleep they will In the indeed. middle of it. And make
2: sure you Press the record button That's all I'd say For the littleies That miss it And you can watch it Tomorrow with them I do hope one thing Is that the toy show Have Toys Toys <laughs> It's a Toy T-O-Y Show It's mm. not a sing and dance show. If you want to change it to that, well, tell us that it's a talent show. I'll be curious to see tonight how much a part of it toys Mm. are. It should be the bulk of it. And I understand children love the song and the dance, etc. But it is a toy show. We want to see what's new in toys, innovations, old toys, you name it, all about toys. Well, with that and talking about that, I dropped in to meet a man this morning just a couple of hours ago before we uh, went on air today. He is a legend. His name is Mr Tony Duffy. He owns Duffy's Toy World in Dunleer, And it's been a few years because of COVID, Louise. As you know, I haven't been down with him. We've tacked a little bit on the phone. But I was delighted to go back to the shop today. Magical, isn't it? It's magical. And it was busy. And I took the opportunity while I was there to press record and began talking to the man himself. And would you believe it? They're already planning at Duffy's for next year.
4: We start planning Christmas on the 2nd of January each year that's a build up we are involved in in fact at the moment um, I've just asked to book on my trips to Germany the biggest toy fair in the world and uh, we're working on that for next year, 2023, Jerry. You're ahead of the game for Hi. sure. <laughs> With the sort of toys we do, we have to be, because we need to know what children are going to be into in our sphere of toys. We're not into, into the rest or in the uh, big flash stuff or that like that. We're interested in long-term play value for the child and for the pocket for the mother imagination is the word here isn't it imagination creation and development is what we stress continually everything has got to do with our children's imagination and how they can do things in different things different ways best thing you can buy for any child is a box of bricks the way it is with children they come along and they build up something that doesn't work they just flash down and then start again that's what life is all about just you, you keep been
2: prepared to start again. But when you talk about the place here and you look at the array you have, there's not an electronic toy in sight. We don't
4: allow them inside the door, Jerry. I'm sorry. It would be a very big disappointment if you came here looking for electronics. Very big disappointment.
2: But what you have is extra, extra special. There's really nothing like this. It's totally unique. When you think back to when you started the toys, 1978, and we're in 2022 now and you're planning Uh for 2023. Yeah. Have children's imaginations changed?
4: Children's imagination hasn't changed. The way that they play with things is different. Uh, we have a lot of uh, educational stuff. Like the best best thing for education, for trial and error, is a cardboard box. Now, I'm not promoting that sell cardboard boxes or anything like that, Gerry. That's not far from me. But in the last couple of years, we have they into different ways of how the children play with things and the imagination. It's always got to do with the imagination of our children. You know, and that's the way we build on it. And how multifunction most toys are. They're not just one item, you know. Multifunction, like the gentleman there buying a simple ring board. Now, what does a simple ring board do? All it does is... You throw rings at it it's a family game because every member of the family can play with it and not only that it's teaching the children how to add because they have to add, add five and four and three until they get to 51 or whatever the case may be that's the way it is simplicity simplicity
2: and so much fun Jerry. you just can't believe it when you look around the place and i'll just pick out a couple of examples the jigsaws the the array and selection you have here for all ages they're still huge Still huge. They were very big during during the COVID.
4: Uh, they were very big then because people could be bought from maybe six to eight of them at a time, because we had the we had the uh, too much time on our hands at that time, being been all housebound, etc. And all that. But they are still a very big success for us. We do a huge range of jigsaws, from difficult to even more difficult, from the youngest age to any age. Don't do the eighteen thousand piece. Uh, but we do up to 5,000 pieces for, for jigsaws but we do another range of jigsaws called Wentworth which are small they're petite they're very they're high quality and they're very difficult and they love them people love the challenge as well yeah do you do Lego or Duplo or both? we do both because they're both by the same company but they are for different age groups the Duplo has got to do with the small, uh, the small children because they, do, they they don't have the strength in the fingers uh, to push the du, uh, Lego blocks together. And even if they do succeed in pushing them together, they can't get them apart. So the Duplo is good because it, uh, it builds up quite easily and it, it will open up quite easy. It's also uh, we also sell a, a range of uh, pro- products from Germany called Hubbellino. And that is a very good it's very uh, compatible with Duplo, but you make it into ball runs, so it turns into an engineering toy because you have to get the ball to run down the hill and up the hill.
2: the die cast oh, tractors oh, and farm machinery
4: they are they are, are all good for us we We stock a very big rate. we must have about two hundred and fifty different types of tractors here, and it's amazing what we sell what the reasons that we sell them for was. There a gentleman there a few minutes ago. He was buying a, uh, a Ford 600 for his dad, you know.
2: <laughs> We're all children at heart, Tony.
4: Oh, gee, Jerry. yeah. Like, I, I'm
2: 77, like, an expert, and I'm a child. Mm. I really am a child. You must always have that, because that is the essence of life as well. We grow up in terms of physical and our mental beings, but we are that child at heart, and that's what this place is all about. Dolls for the wee girls. What a selection.
4: Absolutely like we we go for quality dolls we don't go for the we don't do Barbie or anything like that Jerry you wouldn't believe this but we sell a lot lot of dolls to America and these are not they're not cheap dolls but they're fantastic dolls but, but who are they for for the 29-year-old girls, I'm very, I'm very politically correct. Actually. Every lady's 29. Might be for the 40th time, <laughs> but, you know.
2: I know what you're saying. So that aspect of Duffy's toy world business is big as well. Oh, you very export, big. you're online, you're sending toys all around Ireland and beyond.
4: Yes, we are. We sell, we sell a lot to America and Canada, especially the dull end of it. Mm. Yeah.
2: What else, you know, in Tony Duffy's you know years here and that is still a staple in terms of toys i'm just looking at sylvanian families
4: oh that's a, that's that's forever that's mm. uh, that's uh, that's something we started way back in the early 80s and it's still uh, still a staple but we have a, a number of the older girls who come in and they buy Sylvanians and they have like you know the fellas have their electric train sets these ladies have sylvanian villages all set out in a spare bedroom or something like that and they do it up to put in the uh, uh, the stone walks between one building and the other and trees and things like that they just do it up the same way what about painting and children love to paint they do and they, they like to express themselves in different ways and we, we you can paint by we have magnetic systems there that you can do a whole the whole scene, uh, with uh, drawing with with magnetic blocks on your fridge, for instance, or on your magnetic board, or something like that. So, it's it's, it's got to do with all all this thing, uh, of just being calm, creative, and developmental, and in
2: in the older ages as well. Seventy eight, you began, and the toy store began here. You moved into Trot, and then back uh, here. Was that it? Uh, we started
4: uh, We started here, We here we had, um, f- uh, my father started in 1938, and I took over when he passed away in 66, and um, we had a, a furniture and carpet store here, and we put in a small department in, for toys for one particular year, I think it was 78, and I think we sold a massive amount of £7,000 worth. And that's what started us, Jerry. And uh, gradually, over the years, we we, we moved into Drogheda. We opened up in Navan. We opened up in Dublin, and that. But we we came back to our roots because this is where we're happiest here in Dunleer, not because it's Dunleer or anything like that. It's just we have the space here. We have nearly ten thousand square foot of a toy shop here.
2: What's your hours now? And the run into Christmas is it seven days?
4: Oh no, we'll never be seven days again, Jerry. We are not. Uh, we are. Uh, family-based business, and we—I believe in family, and so we do not open on Sundays. That's a family day, Jerry, for us.
2: It's great to hear it.
4: Yeah, it is. We're probably one of the only ones that that operate that way, you know, because you have all these uh, commercial companies from uh, England and from everywhere else in Ireland, and that they want to open every day, every hour, nearly every day. I'm not interested. Life is too short, Jerry. I'm, as I said to you, I'm nearly seventy-seven, and what the hell do I want to be walking for my butt off? For I like coming in here. I do like talking to the children. I do like talking to the people. But it's all all got to do with with uh, being able to um, just to enjoy life, Jerry. Uh, like I could retire, but what what hell would I be doing retired? <laughs> don't ever do that, Tony.
2: Not at <laughs> all. Sure, look at this place; wouldn't be the same without no, you. What sets either. you apart? What sets what? stuffies <laughs> apart? <clears throat>
4: It's because of our attitude towards the quality of toys that we do. This is the only shop that's in Ireland that will ha- you'll find this range of stuff. Now, of course, you'll find the multiples uh, having uh, similar items. We go down the road of all that's got to do with education and long-term play for the children. Learning through play, Jerry. that's that's the easiest way for children to learn, to learn through play and, and involvement of how things work
2: you're busy to hear all the voices there folks do, in the backgrounds and God, the, yeah, the, yes, the chills me. are clicking and yeah, the people yeah. are here people from all over Ireland coming to Duffy's we are so lucky to have you here with us I right in so the heart too. of the northeast. I knew you'd say that I'm putting the ball in front of you there and he's putting it in the net and it's not even the World Cup in Dunliaire <laughs> anyway Tony Duffy keep doing what you're doing for years and years to come good luck to you yourself, Audrey and Sarah your daughters as well and yeah. all that you do here yeah, it's the fantastic. staff fantastic the staff, and the staff here in, the, in Duffy's yeah, as well yeah. are wonderful They're very
4: caring and that's the way we like them you know homely but nice and um, very um, appreciative of the business that we do here and we get on well together
2: what a man what a place incredible Louise isn't it we were just talking there mm. he is such a part of it isn't
3: he I think he has a direct line to Santi he has really we, know that? Do.
2: we know that boys and girls Tony Duffy has the hotline to the North mm. Pole? There's no doubt about that. And so he just appears, we were saying. Yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, and you can go there and see. He is an agent in this neck of the woods for Santa Claus, and he has he gets his supplies from the elves and the North Pole and everywhere. And it's there. And then, please God, on uh, Christmas night when you write your letters and you're good, you'll get what you ask for. Did you always get what you ask for yourself?
3: No. What? No. No no. I think I don't know whether I mentioned this before I once wanted and oh, it sticks in my head years later I once asked for roller skates and a lolo ball on second occasions and Santi never brought them to me probably on maybe health and safety reasons oh. but no I never got roller skates or a lolo ball there
2: you are. Well I, I think that may have Probably been the right that was decision. a North Pole health and safety call. I there. Think I'd so. say Santa Claus. Because there and were Mrs. no helmets Claus. back then. Oh yes, like we'd have to be fair is fair there. <laughs> I, I have to say <laughs> I, you know the way people write for surprises now. Always they write for what they want, children, and then they'd like a surprise. I was surprised to get something from Santa
3: in my day. <laughs> were well, you that bold? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that and circumstances as well, I have to say. Oh, no, realistically, my mother and father always pulled out the stops at Christmas time and did their best. What was the best surprise you ever got? If you were to say, put you on the spot. A, a Walkman
3: on the Hits 5.
2: You didn't expect that at all?
3: No, and I loved it. Loved oh. it, loved it, loved it. Never, never took it off my head.
2: I got a chemistry set once. Well, oh, my God. Did
3: they know what, like, what <laughs> Santy was bringing you? <laughs>
2: They must have. I got I got a surprise anyway of a chemistry set. And I think your parents God, must have
3: been bold did, and Santi decided to punish them.
2: Did we get mileage out of that chemistry set? We stink bombed the Northeast. School <laughs> transport shops. We hit everywhere with stink bombs. The local telephone box. And we still got it. Oh no, but you I, sure I definitely haven't got it. I'll tell you, I nearly did jail over that chemistry set. <laughs> Young offenders. But I loved it. The chemistry set was a great one. Young the greatest surprise at Christmas time did you get a real surprise let us know we'd love to hear from you 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text we're in the Christmas mode after the break it's our first Christmas song on Late Lunch
3: It's been a long time to be missing you, you, you You're on your way now, lover And I'm over the moon Everything's all in place But there is one thing clear Christmas isn't Christmas till you get here Those sleigh bells ring, ring, ring ho.
2: It's Book Club Friday on Late Lunch and I'm delighted to welcome back into studio today uh, she's simply wonderful from Academy Books Irene Gahan. Great to see you, Irene. I need Thanks for joining me on the show this afternoon. Anyway, you've picked an eclectic mix, may I say, of books and wonderful books for our listeners this afternoon. So let's begin with your book of the month. What is it?
5: So the book of the month is Unraveling Oliver. Now it's an older book by Liz Nugent and I hadn't come across. I feel like I've missed out on a whole glut of books. Um, I hadn't come across it before, but because she was speaking at Iceland Noir last week, I thought, OK, I'm going to make sure I read everything. And I settled down. I was away the week before and I settled down to reading Unraveling Oliver and I just could not put it down. And I thought, you know what? Our book club will absolutely love this book. So, so, tell us. Well, it's very um, different. It's I think it's very different. It's very... And when I read the actual premise of it, I thought, oh, OK, this sounds really, really good. And it brings in quite dark, um, dark things. But basically, the book opens, which and it sounds awful. It, the book opens and he, Oliver, has just literally beaten his wife, Alice, to a pulp. And it's kind of like, OK, would that not be the end of the book? Yes. So basically what happens is this every chapter is told from a different person in their circle. And again, it's like pulling a thread, it's unravelling Oliver. But it's very much from, um, you look at it from the back, so they kind of start unravelling Oliver and what we discover is that he was the illegitimate son of a priest who then became a lay person. But it all starts to slowly unravel and everything that has happened to him has implications for everybody else that pulls into his life. So it's incredibly interesting and the twists are just nice. They're they're not obvious, mm. they're just nice. So when I was reading, I was like, oh, my gosh, I know the book club are going to love this. And he's he's despicable. But you kind of go, will he have a saving thing at the end? And you kind of the whole nature versus nurture style of thing as as well comes into it. So I just thought this was brilliant. This was absolutely fabulous. And then when I got to meet her, I said, oh, my gosh, where did you get the character of Charlie Mm. from or of, of Oliver from? I said, he is just, you know, and it was just really, really odd because she was sitting there and we were doing the talks in Iceland and she was doing her talk and we were in a church. Um and so of course it was very apt for <laughs> for the book we were reading. But we were talking about crime and serial killers and noir um in, in, in this fabulous church in Iceland, in Reykjavik. So it was all very <laughs> it was yes. all very atmospheric, I think is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> the
2: interesting thing is that you say it's really art about face, as they'd say. The end of the book really you would say that should be the conclusion. Yeah. But it's marvellous, as you say, the way then the whole thing just... It's intricate. It's, it's intricate. Yeah. It's, and it's different, isn't it? It's very different.
5: Yeah, it's very intricate, very different. And She has a really quirky way of... You know, weaving the story and 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 even then, even then, the things that have happened so long ago, how they have implications on going forward. I mean, in the end, he, you know, I mean, it's obvious he's destroyed everybody around him. Mm. But you kind of you, you feel a little bit sorry for him.
2: Yes. Yeah. But uh,
5: yeah, fabulous book. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you
2: pick it up and feel after the early reading that you know that puts you off, don't continue on. Oh, absolutely.
5: I absolutely. And I because I was a little bit ooh. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I actually kept going. I was like, "Wow, that's amazing!"
2: And what he did at the beginning was completely out of character. But as you read through the book, you'll understand. Well, if you if, if understand is the word you should yeah, use, exactly. It's, it's impossible. But it's very
5: much about the nature versus nurture. Is very about the, yeah. you know, the, the you know the you know the and the kind of Catholic Church at the time, and it's very much how all those things kind of come together. And then history repeating itself in some ways as well. Yeah. So
2: obviously, then this, as you say, is from a little bit back. She's. Really Lying in wait and skin deep yeah. since. Yes. So you know this woman, to be noted, to be read, she big following building up. Absolutely, for
5: sure. and she's a new book out. Um, uh, Was it Strange Sally? F- I just—I can't remember the title of it. But she's a new book out in March. Yeah. And. The reviews so far are fabulous. Oh,
2: so, so it's to look forward to yeah. too. Oh,
5: I can't wait now. So
2: they are the full Liz Nugent set is what you need here. But book of the month uh, is Unraveling Oliver by Liz Nugent, highly recommended by Irene Gahan. Let's move on to your second pick this month, Oh William by Elizabeth Strout.
5: Yeah, I've never read any of her books. She's quite, um, she's a prolific writer, and she's from the U.S. And I'd never read any of her books, but she was short. Lister for a booker and Lister for a booker prize. But I came into the series very late, so I read Oh William, not realizing there was a whole background to it. And again, what I thought was really interesting was she's very, like Liz Nugent, incredibly character driven. So it's all about Lucy and her ex husband, uh, William, and, and her term of endearment is Oh William, and you kind of go, Oh, here we go. <laughs> and it's very interesting, again, very intricate how all of the characters kind of feed into each other. And you know, if you had to do a comparison. Study. You could take both of them now. Obviously, O'William William isn't as dark as unraveling yes. Oliver, but it's quite an interesting meandering, like um, commentary on a period of time what I hadn't realised was there was a huge backstory to it so I was kind of coming into it later on and it's very nice it's very nicely written it's very soft and you know and you have an awful lot of sympathy for Lucy um, with this <laughs> with this husband of her <laughs> ex-husband of hers mm. um, and, and kind of is he a, a, does he get everything he gets because of it you know because of the way he behaves and who he is mm. but then she Lucy herself has quite an extensive backstory as well so again very much like Unraveling of it's kind of all these stories weave these yes. <laughs> webs we weave if that yeah. makes sense a
2: secret a secret is revealed just not yes. giving too much away yeah and it's like a domino effect there exactly isn't it, it yeah, really exactly. is it, yeah. it, it, it opens up and it's so, a
5: nice mm, unpretentious you know there's no crime and gore it's just a nice
2: Read, mm. and as you said, she has written uh, "My Name Is Lucy Barton" and "Anything Is Possible." Before yes. this, but this is a standalone novel.
5: It is a standalone. You wouldn't you have, didn't to, have, have, have read to read the, the others because she pretty much gives the yes. backstory in it. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm sure you'll double back when you read. Oh, this I, I will double and, back. Yeah, and, and, and look, look for the others Absolutely, as well. Yeah. So first time you've really come across her. I, I yeah, it. and
5: and it's weird because like the Irish, the Unpost Book uh, Awards yes. were last night. Yes. Um, and or it's Wednesday night. Yep. Yeah, looking through the list and I realise I haven't read anything that's on this list. Mm. But I think a lot of them are quite new. Yes. So I've got to a point where I'm kind of doing my homework, mm. uh, <laughs> which sounds terrible. Um, but I am reading... Um, uh, Leonard and Hungry Paul at the moment and it's one of those books that um, I'm savouring it you know as opposed to trying to get to the end of it to try and read all of it I'm actually yes. kind of really enjoying sitting down taking it all in mm. but of the ones that are, are on the book the on post uh, books of the year I haven't got a chance to read them yet it'll but- be it'll be Look what lies ahead. Look yes, at look at look at look at what you'll be relishing in
2: there uh, over the holidays as well. Anyway, second pick uh, from Irene this afternoon is O oh, William by Elizabeth Stroud. Excellent book as well. Now your third choice today, well, I tell you this guy <laughs> has some following and really now he's going down the road of author. He's actually he nearly pulled away from his TV work. I'm talking yeah. about Richard Osman. Yeah. And his th- the latest in his series of of uh, books. Uh, is called The Bullet That Missed and this is the Thursday Murder Club series. It is.
5: So anyone who hasn't read the first two books, basically it's about a retirement home in well, he's sitting somewhere in West Sussex, which is apparently where his mum is in a nursing home or his grandma's in a nursing home. And he kind of based it around that. But funny enough, the characters in it are all fabulous characters. So there's basically all these retired pensioners, um, and they all have like they, they all have very, very different characters um and very, very different traits. And they all get to, they all get bored. So they decide to set up this Thursday merger club. So on mm. a Thursday they all meet in the art room um and they basically solve a merger. But this first two books, so the first book was brilliant, but you're kind of getting to used to all the characters. So the two strong women characters in it are basically Elizabeth and Joyce. And Elizabeth is very much, we know she worked for MI6, we just don't know what she did. And Joyce was very much the kind of narrator. She's recording everything. She's kind of that kind of you know mm. character. Former nurse. Yes, absolutely. Very yeah, caring, watches after everybody. And, and they're all kind of in their 70s. I mean, at this point in time, you know, so it, again, it's like it's unravelling. But what was really funny was I actually met Richard last week when I was at Iceland Noir. And we were in the lift together coming down from one of the talks and we were chatting. I said, do you realise our book club has divided themselves into the Elizabeths and the." Joyce's and he said no way I went yeah absolutely They've everyone's kind of put themselves into which character they most associate it with and he thought this was brilliant <laughs> he's like that's great <laughs> so it's but it is funny because Elizabeth and then we discover as you go through you discover more and more about them but I mean it's not it's it's um The third one's interesting because there's a Russian spy involved, Mm. an ex-Russian spy involved. Yeah. um, And the third one is absolutely brilliant. So I think he was kind of I think he's got his momentum now. He's building up. The first one was good. The second one, we get to learn a bit more about them. But the third one was absolutely brilliant, really, really. And I thought it was very funny because I was reading it away in a hotel library put it into the hotel library you know when you drop it off when you've read mm. it into the hotel library and I hadn't even put it down and this 90 year I'm sure she was 90 she sprinted across the lobby and she literally grabbed it out of my hand and said I've been watching you reading that to see if you got to the end and to watch to see if you put it on the shelf so she was in her element so. it
2: shows you the appeal that yes, he has and, and
5: very wide appeal
2: yeah absolutely Ibrahim and Rana the other two yes, members just yes, to mention sorry. of that uh, <laughs> I left the boardman men more, out well probably as well you but anyway, <laughs> Ibrahim is a retired psychiatrist and Ron, a retired union uh, leader uh, who gets things done. I, I'd say you'd say yes, that about him. Yes, absolutely. But they they all, you know, they they they're all like cluedos in their own oh, way. yeah. Aren't they? it's
5: like an Agatha you know, yeah. it's kind of like the final scene in the Agatha Christie where all, they're all together, you know. Mm. Um but I mean they all, and the, the funny thing is they all color slightly outside the lines as well. Yes. <laughs> so none of them are particularly uh, you know, none of them are particularly innocent in any of their yeah. dealings. So that's what's kind of nice. And
2: just to mention, just in general terms, this one is about Bethany, who had been a co-anchor with a local big TV personality yeah. called Mike Waghorn, and she was murdered. Oh, she yes. went missing. Did she, she went, went missing? missing she went missing. Yeah, yes. she went missing. Yeah. So assume that you
5: know. Yeah, we, we assume we we're assume. all led to believe. Yes. we're led down the path to believe that this is I the said, story. I shouldn't
2: say she was murdered because I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't
5: we're know. led down the path to believe that that's what it actually happened.
2: Yes. So you'll have to get the
5: book. Yeah. And I, it yeah. Well, yourself. it's really good. It's, again, it's funny. There's nothing gory about it. It's just really good. It's cosy crime, which is mm. he, as he described it himself, he did a chat with Bernadine Everisto, which is kind of funny because the two of them were at either end of the sofa. And I was thinking, you're like so... Different, <laughs> yes. But he described it as cozy, cozy crime, and everyone's describes it as is, is describing it as cozy crime. Yeah, um, and it's one of those books you you know you'd sit into the sofa on a Sunday and you'd, and enjoy.
2: You know. The bullet that missed Richard Osman is a uh, third choice uh, from Irene gahan on Book Club today. Just to listeners are hearing you talk about Reykjavik, you you go there to this. This is a big festival.
5: Yeah, it, the festival's been running for eight years. It didn't during the two years yes. of COVID. But I mean, it's the first time I'd ever been because okay. normally I jump in a car and I take yes. it off on my own. Yes. But um, but it was quite interesting. There was about 200 people at it. Um, and Ragnar Johansson, who would be a very, very popular Icelandic author translated yes. into English, he organises it every year. Mm. So he brings really big names. Yes. I mean, there was really, really big names at They're it. big names. You know? You've just been talking to yeah, yourself there. Yeah, and are. it's weird. It's weird kind of sitting beside them and chatting to them and actually having conversations Conversations with them, you know, mm. it's kind of odd. But our, uh, Fiona Scarlett of Boys Don't Cry, she was there, and Liz Nugent was there. So we, we you know, we held up the Irish end.
2: Absolutely, indeed, <laughs> you did. Just in a general sense, before we finish, Academy Books run into Christmas, your busiest season for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're,
5: we're having, well, we're hoping it's busy. Um, we're having an anti Black Friday day today. Okay. <laughs>
2: Thank God somebody's doing something different. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>.
5: <laughs> so but we're what we're doing is we're doing free wrapping and Coffee cappuccinos and lattes were oh, two your but we just, you know, any independent store, you just, it's very, very difficult. I mean, with everything increasing, it's very difficult to do major discounts like some of the bigger guys yes. are doing. Yes. And it's a lot of it's, you know, shop local. And I mean, every independent book, no, no matter where you are, it's kind of a case of support your local independent yeah. bookshop. Yeah.
2: You know? I say here, here to that in the northeast, Dundalk, uh, Drogheda, Navin Trim, Kells, wherever you are Absolutely. in the big urban centres, your local bookshop there. Do support them because I always say it and I'll say it again. It's at the heart of the community. And if it's gone, it's only then we'll be crying over spilt milk. It's as simple simple as that. And uh, Irene and the other book uh, independents will look after you. If you need books, drop into them, give them a shout. They'll get books for you if they haven't got them in stock. Isn't that the message? You will get them. Absolutely, that's it.
5: We will get them. We will absolutely get them. We have four or five weeks to go. So we will get them in time.
2: Irene Gahan, for the moment, lovely to see you again. Thank you for dropping in. Wonderful recommendations. Thank you.
5: Thanks, civilian Jerry. Knock knock.
0: Who's there? That's how it works. It's called comedy. Comedy. Comedy, comedy. Comedy, Comedy, sir. Comedy. Comedy.
1: Classic comedy.
0: Classic comedy.
1: On the late launch. I love comedy.
2: Let me context the comedy today. If you're watching Strictly Come Dancing 2022, which we are all glued to at home, Molly Rainford, Kim Marsh, Fleur East, Hamzy Yassin, Will Meller, Helen Skelton, and Ellie Taylor are the final seven. Ellie Taylor, comedian. She's simply brilliant and she features in our comedy today. And here she is talking about being childless and happy.
6: But my beyond kids actually helped me become a little bit of an internet sensation earlier this year. There was a single Facebook, I don't know if you saw it. It was called the Motherhood Challenge. So it's where mums were putting up five photos of themselves that made them proud to be a mother. So there were pictures of like little Ken on the beach. Little Ken trying avocado for the first time. (laughs) Little Ken asking, what kind of a name is Ken for a toddler? (laughs) Lovely, lovely. Now, I do not have a problem with anyone being proud to be a parent. I just saw a lot of this stuff, thought I'm going to do the opposite. I did the non-motherhood challenge. I posted five photos of myself that made me proud not to be a mother. Four of those were pictures of me asleep, The fifth one was of me asleep holding a bottle of wine. (laughs) Really, really silly, right? Whacked it up on Facebook, didn't really think any more about it. For some reason, it went bananas, right? It went viral, got shared a gazillion times, went all the way around the world. At one point, I became Woman of the Week on a Swahili parenting blog. (laughs) And it was really interesting seeing the different responses. I got back to it. So the first lot sort of people to write on my Facebook page were women like me without children, saying things like, Oh, Ellie, thanks for giving us the childless a voice. I was like, No worries, babes, you're welcome. <laughs> and then I got some other replies, and I printed them out here. So um, I got some replies from some mothers. So that was quite interesting. Um, like this lady, we'll call her mummy um, number one. She said, um, You don't understand what it feels like to become a mother, you fucking superficial, basic bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Mummy number one. So maternal, isn't she? <laughs> then what happened is other childless women started defending me against the cross mums. So like, there was this lady piped up, very angry. We'll call her outraged from Kent. She said, Why is this funny? Don't mock the ones who choose to be parents. Very tasteless. So then an American lady came into my rescue. Now, see if you can work out why I think she's American. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, woman! <laughs> no one owes you an explanation. Nobody has time for another butt hurt mommy. <laughs> Outrage from Kent comes back rather sensibly with What on earth is a butt hurt mommy? <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Then other cross-mums started replying to me, but these mums were from different countries, so they were insulting me in different languages. Don't worry, guys, Facebook translates it for us, so we didn't miss out. There was this lady from Mexico. Uh, Now, when when it says it, I think it means she. No wonder it does not have children. (laughs) Look at his big teeth. (laughs) Gracias, amigo, Mexico. (laughs) But this is all saved in the end by the final group who replied to me, and they made everything better. They were led by a man called Alessandro. And Alessandro says, As an Italian, I need to know what kind of wine is that? (laughs)
2: <laughs> the brilliant Ellie Taylor, still going on to Strictly Come Dancing, bringing us our comedy this afternoon on Late Lunch. The bingo jackpot, €7,000. Bernie Kinsler from Dunlea was our lucky number winner this week. Mm-hmm. Josephine Gogarty. From Kells, Agnes O'Reilly, Muller Kells and Marie Richardson from Conrad Navin won 666 euro and 66 cent. Make sure you get every cent of it. Uh, congratulations to Kathleen Mehan too from Castletown KP and Terry Ratz from Head. We 200 euro each. Next week's jackpot, 7,000 euro. LMFM.ie for your books, all the shops where they're on sale right across the northeast. Heading to a break on late lunch. And next up, making his 100th appearance on late lunch, it's the virtuoso of Vino, Rick Cronje. He doesn't look a day over 50. He's never 100. He is actually, he's 100 today, Rick Cronje. Welcome to Late Lunch and congratulations. Thank you so much, Jerry.
1: <laughs> Great times. It's your 100th mm. feature with us on Late Lunch. It is indeed. It is indeed, Gerry. Yeah, the 1st of February uh, 2014 was the first Back time then. I came to the studio. Were you nervous? Very much so. I've never done radio before, Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, very much so. Uh, I mean, um, in front of people, I've done loads of wine tastings and that. But it's very different on the radio because I've simply never done it, you know. And and you're talking to an audience you can't see. Um, Yeah, no, no doubt about that.
2: Well, let's remind ourselves of that first visit because I've just taken a little extract from the first day you ever appeared to us early in 2014. Here he is making his debut on Late Lunch. Let's have a listen.
1: Do we overchill whites? We do. We do. There's no question about that. Uh, we put it in the fridge. We might take a glass or two out of it. And then three days later, it's still there. No, it's dead. It's dead, it's gone. How long is a bottle of white good for when you open it and leave it in the fridge? Oh, it'll last, Jerry. but that's not the point. Um, normally, once a, the cap comes off, you know, three days would, would be about, you know... That's the, the limit. Day. Yeah, And the well, same with red? Yeah, well, uh, you know, red, again, If if I can take it a step back, it's all about how you keep wines, you know. Now, if you open a bottle of red... Um, and you store it correctly and you cap it correctly, yes, it'll last three, four days. But after that, I'll have my doubts as to, to where you're going to go with it. As for the white wines, you know, um, I, yeah, put it in the fridge and forget about it. It's gone.
2: <laughs> oh, there you are. That's All those years very... ago, we knew you were a model for
1: this from the word Go. <laughs> Thanks very much, Jerry. I wasn't too sure though, and that advice still stands. I was. That's why I picked it out. It's still
2: holds today. That advice about the white and the red is just as sound as it was back then. Anyway, welcome back. We're delighted to have you with us today again. And in the the current run with Rick, what he's doing is, just to explain to listeners, he's taking a wine. uh, It's Cabernet Sauvignon today, what we're talking about. And he gets the same, the bottle is the same year, 2019 today, we're talking about, uh, but from different parts of the world. Correct. And we do the comparisons. That's exactly right. Fantastic. So tell us about your first one today and both wines
1: coming to us from super value the musgrave group the musgrave group that's right uh, jerry yeah it's uh cabernet sauvignon it's 2019 uh, we've got one from the northern hemisphere which today is california not something we've seen too often in the studio and then the other one is australia of course cabernet sauvignon just very briefly uh, jerry very recognizable everybody knows that very marketable number one in the world in terms of planting and it's a cross between Cabernet Franc and Sauvignon Blanc.
2: An accidental cross. Accident- you tell me. Yes, yes
1: it is that. now they've tested that through DNA and if you look at Cabernet Franc Sauvignon Blanc so just the first two names and you have Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. Yeah it was accidental in France in the 17th century um, and of course today it's marketed throughout now there's been various claims but that's through dna testing that's been proven um and of course originated in bordeaux part of the three that's allowed there um the grape itself it's one of the attractions for it is it's quite easy to grow and it's a very hardy type it's small but a very thick skin on it very adaptable to soils Climate is a bit more influential on it. So it's not really all that Mm. about soils. It does play a part, but more to the climatic conditions. But, of course, planted all over the world Mm. uh, today. Full-bodied.
2: Can I say that? That's generally a a generic
1: term, you'd say, about Cabernet Sauvignon. Absolutely. It's one of the what we call the big five, Mm. you know, Cabernet Sauvignon, Sauvignon Blanc, Merlot. Um, Very strong as a grape and often are used for blending in order to provide that strength, that backbone to others with like Shiraz, for instance, yes. or Cabernet Franc as mm. well. Yeah. So what's the contrast between uh, a cool climate and the warmer climate? Yeah, and I, I'm just going to put it very basic. Yes. In the cooler climate, it's more to the verticultural, so you'll get a bit more earthiness to it and a bit more woodiness. In the southern hemisphere, the warmer climate, because you've got that longer growing season, warmer, t- and on, on, on average now, temperatures, that's going to be a bit more fruitiness uh, into it, leaning towards the jammy part, sometimes a touch of sweetness even in it, you know. But wherever it comes from, very adaptable to mature on wood. Yes. So let's talk about your first one. We're in the USA, California, Dark Horse
2: Cabernet Sauvignon 2019, uh and part uh Dark Horse. I didn't realize this. I think many people when you when I mentioned this and, and uh, it's uh, you that uh, on your
1: notes, Rick, E&J Gallo. Now there's a very well-known oh, name. Oh, absolutely. Yes. They the largest yes. family-owned winery. Everybody knows E&J. Mm, um mm. you know, uh, there's I mean they barefoot we've seen that here around. Yes. Uh, But they're a massive, massive organisation. I Mm. I don't think people actually realise how big they are, you know. Yes, yes. I mean, 19 wineries, 9,300 plus hectares. uh, I think it's 400 growers that they have various arrangements with, Mm. you know, massive. Um, 130 brands. They employ 7,000 people around the world now. They are big. Now, they're a marketing company, so it's not just one, yes. it's spirits of included. Of yeah. course, but they have yeah. muscle, there's no doubt about yes, that. Yes, absolutely.
2: Um, just looking at it here, so which is which? Yeah. You have the two here. This is the yes. first one, is it?
1: This is the first one there. Yeah. This is the dark horse. Deep, deep colour. Look at the colour. Beautiful, beautiful, deep. beautiful, beautiful yeah. uh, Jerry. Um, a, a Dark purple there, but, but if you look on the edges, you see a bit of a I do. lightness. I actually hue. do. Look yeah. at it there around the glass. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful. Um, on the nose, all the yeah. fruit, like yeah, oh, absolutely, isn't it? it's just uh, brimming I, with it. There, I was surprised because I kept finding a bit of chocolate on it. Now, I'm addicted to chocolate, so maybe I'm being hopeful. More, you're than you're one hundred
2: percent right. I'm just after yeah. taking a sip.
1: Yeah, there's something there. Oh, well, the I chocolate's just, there. Yeah. yeah, I was well, quite amazed no at that. it. I have no idea where that comes from, but there but you it's go. in it's, it's
2: in this wine. That's yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. You do say about this one decanting is important. You say,
1: I, I what I did with it, Jerry. When I uh, did the sample, I tasted it first, and it was mm. it was it was good. But I found fifteen twenty minutes in the glass now. A totally different. Different. Point. Yeah, very settled then, very smooth. Yes. And and uh, I know we have a short time, but even now, if you take a sip and just before we finish, try another one. Yeah. you See the difference. The difference in it. it. Yeah. Uh,
2: food. Nice match with food. Yes. What are you oh, talking about? Oh, beautiful. Food yeah.
1: I mean, well, I I think grilled red meats will, mm. will stand on it uh, every day. Toulouse sausages. I tried with it. <laughs> Fantastic, uh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant match. It's a, it's a ring for it. Yeah. <laughs> and you do mention chicken wings, don't you? With the yeah, barbecue on the with barbecue, the barbecue, b- yes. barbecue uh, touch to it. Um, I think it does need something—a bit of a flavorness uh, okay. to it. Yeah,
2: it's a beautiful wine. Yeah. Fifteen euros, super value. Musgrave uh, Group, USA, California, Dark Horse. Cabernet Sauvignon 2019 and we always say plenty of water, drink in moderation, enjoy it with food as well. We always must respect our alcohol. Let's move on to the second one and you're heading to Australia
1: for this one. Australia, new Gen estate, again uh, a very famous uh, uh, estate and winemakers, it's called the Stomper's cabernet someone and i want to emphasize because there's a whole range of others ones mm. that you can find there also 2019 12 euro a very good price there yeah new Gen estate again very popular in the top achievers they've been around 80 85 years something like that uh, they uh, have four labels new Gen we would know here uh kukutama Wally's Wally's hut yes we would definitely have defil, seen that about defil. yeah yeah now uh very well rewarded they have 44 trophies 1500 plus medals uh, 200 plus gold uh, a big area of 590 hectares now it is spread a bit there, yes. and they make 4 million litres a year on average <laughs> there's a few bottles there that'd keep you it going.
2: That'd keep it going certainly yeah, for, for a while yeah get you through Christmas yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure now
1: there's two yeah. things about this in the fermentation process the yes. skins number one and the yeah. barrel tell us about both of those yeah here. very important there Jerry. something we touched on over the years again you know you leave the skins and that's where the colour comes from but it also extracts, you know, the flavors from Mm. it and the characteristics and they left it there for 10 days Now, what they did, it came from different parcels, so you can imagine they had different batches and they did the complete process and only in the final stage did they put these different uh, batches together. Right. 12 months on oak barrels and uh, you'll pick that up on the, you know when we come to taste it, yeah No
2: time like the present Swinger over here till we have have a swig of this one. and again it's deep and it's in the in the the same vein as the previous wine it as is well. Indeed. yeah it is let indeed. me see on the nose there's berry in it but there's,
1: there's something else there as well isn't there beside the berries yeah, mm-hmm. I I thought it was a touch of spiciness there definitely but peppery peppery isn't it correct it's peppery correct. there's yeah. no doubt there. yeah oh I love it yeah it, it's, it, to me, this one had a but oh, a sharper it. taste than the, the yes. previous one. Oh, and, and, yeah, it, it that's a big boy, definitely Rick. But it's love; it's it's lovely. It is lovely; mm, it really is. And
2: again, decant. You are saying I would yes. say
1: so, Jerry. You know, twelve months on oak. You are yes, going to need a it. bit of uh, oxygen there just to get a bit of uh, mm. breath into it. Red meat, definitely. No, you Definitely. could sip it.
2: You could sip it. You'd enjoy a sip of it. I oh, have to no, say, you You could. You you could. No and doubt about that.
1: I, and I, I would go for a, a medium to strong cheese with it. Well, as uh, well, we'll lamb and beef. Yeah, um, I think it it it'll sit well with it. It's you know. lovely. It's lovely. Very refreshing. Actually, oh, it's, it's really. gorgeous. Yeah, it yeah. is gorgeous. Again, yeah. Australia,
2: New Ghana State, Stompers Cabernet Sauvignon, twenty nineteen, Super Value Musgrave's twelve euro a snip at the price for sure. Before you go, tell the little story quickly again about the little lady you met in the shop. I just want you to tell it once more. Oh, yes. Who
1: gave you the name. Yes. Uh, the on one your no- hundred
2: appearance. On your <laughs> hundred appearance. Remind
1: us. Yes, I, I, I was at an auction and I was looking around and uh, there was uh, an older lady there, no, no knowledge of each other at all. And um, we just started talking and she says... Um, yeah, you, you, I've heard that voice. You sound like that man that talks to Jerry. Um, I said, oh, right, uh, didn't give it away. And uh, she said, yeah, he's, um comes to Jerry and he talks about wines. I said, is he any good? She says, well, I got a few bottles there and for Christmas and I gave it to the family and told them it was my choice and they were happy with it. But she nicknamed me the wino on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what she called me, the wino, the wino on the wireless. Yes, yeah. Rick, yeah, absolutely yeah, beautiful, brilliant. Story, beautiful, story. beautiful
2: story. Lovely story and lovely one to recount. We've enjoyed every one of the hundred with you. You're one of our right, yeah. loveliest contributors to the show and you're a big part of Late Lunch and Have Been. And we thank you for everything you do for us, free, gratis and willingly. And here, Rick you may I raise the glass to the next hundred? Thank you very much <laughs> Thank you for joining me Again today Great I love TV We watch TV hey.
0: TV Here we come
1: TV themes TV themes With Jerry Kelly On the late lunch Remember that TV movie We saw TV TV,
0: TV.
2: your TV theme on Late Lunch this afternoon we're going back a little bit there but it's an absolute classic (music) well it's not Superman and it's certainly not Little House on the Prairie poor Laura Ingalls she'd take an awful bump altogether do you know what that is It's the theme from the classic Star Trek. Yes, it is. And our gift today is going to Maria Campbell. Well done to you. And thanks to everybody who joined in the fun today and entered our competitions. We really do appreciate it. It's just coming up to ten past three on Late Lunch on Friday. It's time for this. The Late Lunch
0: Artist of the Week.
2: Artist of the Week. Sugar Babes all week in 2019 saw them launch a comeback on the Graham Norton show when they revealed plans to mark their 20th anniversary. A new album was also in the pipeline, However, Covid put paid to all that. Roll on to this year and the group made several appearances at festivals and concerts, including Glastonbury and supporting Westlife on part of their tour. And they've just concluded a 17 day tour of their own in the UK, which went really well for them. Looking ahead to next year, they're appearing in London's Hyde Park in July, joining the likes of Take That and The Script at the prestigious London Festival. To round off my week of Sugar Babes in song, it's back to 2005 and a massive number one in the UK and beyond. Yes, the video certainly did what the song title suggests. It's push the button, baby. I love that video. They even had to tone it down, you know, at the time. They really did. Anyway, check it out. Sugar Babes and Push the Button by Artists of the Week this week on Late Lunch. Final break of the day on the way. And afterwards, David Sheehan is with us and we're looking at sport. Time to talk sport before we finish Late Lunch today and our presenter of Sunday Sport and Sports Journalist David Sheehan joins me. Hi, David.
7: How are you, Sherry? I don't know about that sports journalist bit, but I'll take it.
2: Ah, sure. Take every credit you get and put it in your back pocket and march on. Before That's it. before we start talking about GAA, I just want to tell listeners that John Mitchell's AGM, which was scheduled for tonight has been postponed, so it's a late call there. If you're heading along to John Mitchell's AGM uh, this evening, it's not happening. It's postponed, and we'll have news on a fresh date there, I'm sure. So let's begin, David, with JA and it's hurling and focus this weekend. And the Intermediate Championship first. Trim, what a win last time out, against Tullamore in Navin tomorrow afternoon. I think you'll be there yourself. Semi-final, what do you think?
7: Yeah, beat Dainsford the last time out. It was an absolutely cracking game down in Nolan Park. I was down there, and I mean, any time any team goes down to Kilkenny and comes away with the win, it's a good day at the office. Uh, Really, really brilliant performance from Trim that day and hung in there as well. The second half at one point I thought they were going to be just kind of eased out of the way, but they they hung on in there. They got a few frees and they got that that winning point towards the end. Brilliant stuff out of them. They're playing Tullamore uh, tomorrow in the semi-final. Um, They have to book a bit of a trend here. No Mead's team has been in the intermediate finals since 2015 and no Mead's team has won the intermediate Leinster club since Kilmest in 2008. So they have a bit of a uh, a hurdle to get over there I suppose Tullamore decent enough side that if Shane Dooley people might remember him from his, his days at Offaly. he still indeed was involved at Offley last year so Tullamore would have a decent few players and I'm told that they have a few lads back that were playing football uh, that were involved with the footballers they were going for a double they were beaten by road in the football but they have a few lads back but you know Trim their tails are up um, after that last performance they're on home turf in Navan, I'm going to give them the nod. Um, are a few outstanding players there. We're saying James Thor. Everybody's well aware of him, but he was absolutely brilliant the last day. Uh, and I think you know the way they're going, they're, they're in good form. Bit of enthusiasm, bit of momentum behind them. I'm going to give give Trim the nod to get through that one and make it through to a final for the first time for me team since Kiltale in 2015. Let's hope they do. Now Saint Fekins fly
2: the flag for Louth in the northeast in the junior uh, hurling club championship semi final. They're in Wexford tomorrow against. Who whores would and you know when you look at the two counties, the tradition of hurling in Wexford is is a big ask for the Feckins?
7: Yeah, it's a big ask for them, all right. And I mentioned, you know, Meade's record in that intermediate championship not being great. Well, Loud Club has, has never won the junior um the junior championship in Leinster and they've only in fact been to one final, that was Knockbridge in two thousand and eight. That competition dominated by Kilkenny teams, they've won fifteen junior titles, which is no big surprise. You know, St. Feckins' good win over Lundary in the first round to beat Kilcool the last day. Uh Horswood have just had one game under their belt against Ere Ogan. and there's a bit of a discussion, people, when you've seen it this week, about the split season within Wexford, where the hurling goes first, and then the football comes second. Well, it doesn't seem to have held Horswood back uh, much. They beat Era Ogan in the quarterfinal. It's down in Enniscorthy. Yeah, you know, as you said, Jerry, there, Wexford would have the tradition of hurling. I, I do think St. Peckens will give it a good rattle, uh, but History and the tradition, I suppose, of both counties would be against them. I think Horswood might just come come through that one, but let's keep our fingers crossed for a a Mead and Lewis double in those two semi-finals tomorrow.
2: And again tomorrow, at one thirty, both here, and you can follow them on LMFM Radio. Let's uh, move to uh, soccer and the World Cup. Latest match is just finished. You probably saw the result there. Qatar out of the tournament, the hosts, which is a bit of a blow to them and mm-hmm. their expectations. Beaten three one by Senegal, who are back in the picture now. Um. Looking at the tournament overall what what's your assessment so far who who's who's shining who who's who 's going to go
7: into the latter stages Well, I suppose on the evidence of what we 've seen this week, Spain and France have both looked very impressive. I suppose England, you'd say as well, but they were up against an Iran team who, well, they've they've shown us today that they can play, but they were poor enough mm. against England, and maybe maybe the way the result went today was was an indictment of how poor Wales were. But uh, I think Spain and France have been the pick so far. Brazil yesterday they got the job done. Don't think they were they were fantastic, but you know they beat a, a kind of a doughty Serbia team who who were dogged but didn't really have a whole lot to offer themselves going forward. So uh, in terms of what I've seen so far. France definitely and Spain with that 7-0 win again Costa Rica I know not the strongest of opponents but those two teams so far are definitely standing out um, but you know you, you couldn't you couldn't look too far past the likes of Brazil um and you know we'll probably talk about Germany in a second but there's a few teams there with big reputations mm. who are in a little bit of trouble they are because germany now
2: face spain and this is a crucial game if spain beat germany they're packing their bags and going home and argentina are in the same boat they have to play mexico in group c not an easy game by any stretch of the imagination if they lose the favorites are gone
7: yeah and even even at this at that cherry i mean argentina if they don't win that group it's it's 99% certain they're going to be playing France in the second round. If they come second in that group, mm. Argentina, they're meeting France in the second round, as they did in 2018 when they lost 4-3. Um, so, you know, Argentina absolutely have to respond. I, f- I felt a bit for them against Saudi Arabia. They weren't awful, but they just didn't really... They had the, the, was the three goals ruled out for offside, rightly so, but uh, their luck was out that day. Saudi Arabia hit them with a, a couple of sucker punches late on. Germany... Again, I felt like they were kind of in control of that game against Japan without putting it to bed, and they got caught late on. A couple of really soft goals from a defensive point of view. But remember, Germany finished bottom of their group in 2018. Um, Hansi Flick came in then uh, for the last tournament, and he's there again now, and he's hoping to try and regenerate a little bit. Obviously, Yogi Love was there for a long, long time with Germany, and Hansi Flick's come in, and he's trying to get them going again. But that defeat against Japan... You know yourself, Jerry. Now, we've seen examples of it. I guess first World Cup I remember was was Italian 90 when Argentina lost their first game to Cameroon and they still got to a final. Mm. But that was, that was, uh, if I think I'm right in saying, that was when it was two points for a win. Yes. So if you lose now in your first game, you're really under pressure. And Germany, imagine going into that game against Spain, knowing what Spain have done to Costa Rica, and Spain knowing that if they win, they're through and Germany are out. I mean, mm. what better incentive than that to put one over on, on a team that they've come up against plenty over the years. So... Yeah, those two games are going to be fascinating. Mexico are no mugs, obviously. We saw them in their first game against Poland and came out with a draw. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I do hope Argentina get through because I think most of us that, that, that like football and, and you know love to see the stars, we do want to see Messi maybe try and get his hands on that elusive World Cup medal, I think. Even if they come out of the group, they won't be probably good enough. But... Uh, yeah, they're, they're really up against it this weekend, both of those sides. And it's going to be, t- I think, one, I think the, the Germany game is Sunday night, the Argentina game is tomorrow night. So a feast of football for, for sports fans. They are yes. definitely the two big games. Uh, well,
2: you, you may not know, Louise and myself have picked two teams each. Louise has picked Argentina and Holland. She is a winner on her hands with Holland for sure. But she picked Argentina because of her sister Martina and what they used to sing when they were younger. Uh, Don't cry for me Our Martina So she went for Argentina (laughs) That's a lot It's a very logical choice To be honest with you I picked Brazil And Portugal So got two wins last night I'm very impressed with Brazil I have to say David I think they have a squad They have depth They showed on the bench last night Didn't play in the first half Certainly did in the second They have a good keeper as well Better defensively I think they're going to go a long way But David I have to say to you Is football coming home At long last?
7: Um, well, I really hope not. I was saying that say, oh, we were talking no. about it last week. Somebody, <laughs> somebody texted, somebody texted into the show to say, oh, "We cheer on the English lads every week. We should be cheering for them." My, what I enjoy in the tournament, Jerry, is as uh, well. You may, you may or may not agree with this, but I, I like it when England go like close to winning it, but but come up short because the further they get towards the final, or if they get to a final as they did in the Euros, the hype is rationed up to ninety, and yeah. the bigger the fall for them, then you know. And look at it. All joking aside. I would have nothing against any of the players. They seem like a really good bunch of lads. Um Southgate as well is obviously a very, you know, yes. presentable guy and he he speaks a lot of sense and 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 you know as a okay this week maybe an exception during a difficult situation but he generally speaks very well on on kind of world matters as well away from football. But I I, I don't know if they'll just have a, have enough quality. I I I think they might be lacking a little bit defensively when they come up against the really top sides. Um they definitely have a lot of attacking talent, but I I don't think they'll be they'll be quite good enough to win it but they'll they'll probably go pretty close and if they can avoid injuries to key players like any like any world you know nation in this in this competition then that goes a long way but I I don't think they'll win it but I could see them making a semi-final maybe
2: I feel the hope in your heart I think they have the players to be honest with you they do have the squad uh, I think maybe Southgate if he lets them off the leash Who knows? But you know it's fascinating now uh, as it moves on even through the group. Will Germany and Argentina go out? Will they survive? Etc, etc. England are playing USA later today. Wales are out, by the way, folks. Uh, Virtually. They have a point. They might sneak in, but they were beaten by Iran today. So that really was uh, a kick for them. Anyway, we'll be watching with interest, David, and keeping an eye with yourself over the coming weeks. It runs until the week before Christmas and it is the greatest festival of sport in the world. David Sheehan, good luck with the hurling tomorrow. Talk to you next week.
7: Just very quickly, Jerry, before I let you go, my mother always listens into this particular spot every week. I know she loves listening to your show and she always listens out for the sports section. She was in hospital ah. yesterday. She's getting out a little, bit, a little bit later today, I think, so she may not hear this, but I just wanted to, to say hello. Anyway, just in case she's, uh, she's on her way home or anything Oh, like ah, great. But, uh, What's what your what mum's name? Okay? Monica.
2: Monica. Good health to That's you. It. And thanks for listening. And your son is great. Be so proud of him. Thank you for joining me again, David. Wish your mammy well. Bye. Thanks, cheers. Take care, bye-bye. That's David Sheehan, our presenter of Sunday Sport. Lovely touch there at the end. We wish his mammy well. That's it for another week on Late Lunch. Big thank you to all our guests who joined us through the week. To you, our listeners, who are with us every day, we love your company. And to Louise, my producer, I couldn't do it without her. Thanks a million, Louise. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. We'll be back, please God, Monday, 1.30, with a brand new week of Late Lunch. Enjoy your weekend. Take care. Enjoy whatever you're doing. See you Monday.
1: LMFM podcasts with CNC carpets. We bring the showroom to you or book a new showroom appointment on 087-660-4237.
8: How would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study? People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.